Now our Bible reading this morning is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians uh, and chapter 5. Uh, in this letter, Paul is defending his uh, ministry um, and he's really telling the Corinthians how they should live out uh, their lives. And in this passage, uh, we think about uh, being a new creation. So reading this morning, 2 Corinthians 5 verses 1 to 21, uh, and Carol is going to come and read that for us today. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know that what is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what's seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who should live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So that from now on, uh, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Now, if you do have your Bible there, uh, please do turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as we look at this passage 
this morning, or part of this passage this morning. Now, I wonder if you can believe that it's only three weeks since Christmas, which means it's only 49 weeks to Christmas. So we better start planning now what we're going to do. Now, it's also the middle of January already in 2023. Can you believe it's 2023? What happened to these last few years? They just seem to have accelerated, or maybe that's just a sign that I'm getting older. It's quite a thought, isn't it, that we're in the middle of January already, because when it comes to Christmas and New Year, we, we plan something for, for so long, don't we? There is this long uh, countdown on towards Christmas, and then there's that kind of change of gear when you move towards New Year, and then before you know it, the turkey's gone, a new year has begun, and all the decorations are, are taken down, and everything looks a bit bare, doesn't it? It's all changed. Now, as we thought about with the children, this is also the time for uh, resolutions. And some of you might be kind of resolution. Some of you are looking at me thinking, I never make resolutions, and that's absolutely fine. But some of you here this morning are like, yes, I do, do make resolutions. Now, we're at the 15th of January, and I wonder if I asked you in the way out this morning, how are those resolutions going? Now, some of you might be doing really well with your resolution. Others of you might be thinking, oh, I've given up already. Fifteen days in, and I've given up. You're either a resolution kind of person, or you're not a resolution kind of person. But if you're either of these type of people, it doesn't matter who you are. It's also the time of year, isn't it? That we are bombarded on our television screens and in our newspapers with fitness plans and with diet plans and other plans for the new you. That's true, isn't it? You've either not been watching your telly or not reading your newspapers or not being on the internet if you haven't seen any of these things. Because after the excesses of the festive period, what do you get? You get special offers with Weight Watchers and special offers to go to the gym, don't you? at all these kind of things. New year, new you. Now, a lot of these things, of course, are, are good things, aren't they? It's good to improve your health. It's good for us to, to try new things. There's nothing wrong with New Year's resolutions. But I wonder how much at this time of year we focus on our physical health and our, perhaps our mental health but we don't think at all about our spiritual health. You see, we often use a new year, don't we, to, to take stock. An old year has gone, 2022. A new year has come. And perhaps we, we reflect on what has happened in the, in the last year. And we, we think about what might happen in the new year. And perhaps we plan about what we want to change in our lives in a new year, or we think about uh, things that we would want to do. It was in the news yesterday that holiday bookings have gone massively up compared to the last couple of years. Now, obviously, being COVID affected, but people look forward, don't they? I want something to look forward to. I want to go to a place I've never been before. But what I want to think about this morning 
is our spiritual health and to see where we are with our spiritual health. Now, the passage that we read today was a relatively long one from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In this letter to the church in Corinth, Paul has been thankful that the Corinthians have reacted positively to a previous severe letter which he has sent. Now, that is not 1 Corinthians. We know there's 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians in the Bible. There were also two other letters uh, that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, which have subsequently uh, been lost. And he's clearly written them a, a severe letter to them about what's been happening in the church, and they've responded well to that letter. And so he's now writing another letter saying he's really thankful for the way that we've responded to that severe letter. But also in this letter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's also defending his apostolic ministry against some complaints made against him by his opponents. And in this letter, he feels he has to address some of those complaints. For example, it seems that some are saying that Paul is out of his mind. We saw that in verse 13 in the passage that we read. And so Paul has to defend himself. So really, 2 Corinthians is about, about thankfulness. It's about gratefulness for how the Corinthians have reacted to the last letter. But it's also about Paul defending himself. Now, there's so much that we could look at in this chapter, in chapter 5. So much good stuff that we could reflect on. And I really wanted us to, to hear the whole chapter to give us some kind of context but what I really want to focus on today from our passage is verses 16 through to 21, the very end of the passage. You see, at this time of year, it's all about new year and the new me, isn't it? And it's about striving harder to make things better for ourselves, to, to lose weight, to give up smoking, drinking less, whatever it might be. And sometimes we might treat our spiritual health in the same way. That it's all about what we do. And we just have to try a little bit harder in our spiritual life. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with a bit of discipline, is there? But sometimes we might reduce our spiritual life to, to just being a bit more disciplined and, and just trying a bit harder. And sometimes we can be guilty of reducing Christianity to simply improving our good works. And so we reduce our faith to just being about good works and being a better person. And even if we know that Jesus has died for our sins, we can fall into the trap that even when we believe in Jesus as our Savior, that's it. That that's the end of the story. That that's a job done. And it, it just becomes living a good life. And of course, if it's just about us trying a bit harder in our Christian life, if we fall into the trap of saying our salvation is found in good works, and we do it in our own strength, then of course we'll fail. And when we fail, what will happen? We'll be discouraged. That's what happens with our New Year's resolutions, doesn't it? When you reach the 15th of January, you think, ah, I've, I've, I've not done it. And you think, ah, oh, just give up, wait till January next year, and then I'll try. That 
can happen in our spiritual life too. If we think it's all about good works and then we fail, then we become discouraged. What I want to say to you this morning is that being a Christian is something much greater and much more profound than simply being a good person and trying harder. Because sometimes that's what we think it is. That's what we reduce it to. You see, Paul outlines in this passage in verses 14 and 15 that Jesus died. And he died one for all. He died, of course, to pay for our sin. We see this in verse 19. But this is no cold transaction. It's, it's not as if God is up there in heaven and he thinks, oh, you know, these people have made a mess. How are we going to sort this out? Right, I tell you what we'll do. Jesus will go, Jesus will die, and therefore everything will be okay. With no feeling, with no emotion. Why did God do this? God did this because he loved us. He's a God of love, a God of compassion, a God of care. It's no cold transaction. It's not as if Jesus died, our sin is paid for, and then, and then we live our life on just like we did before. I want you to notice that when we believe and trust in Jesus, then there is a profound change in us. A profound change in us. Because when we believe and trust in Jesus, we are forever changed. Forever changed. We are fundamentally changed. Now note that this fundamental change in our lives does not come by striving to be a better person. How does it come? It doesn't come also by by being more disciplined in our life. And Paul knows this in his own life and in his own story. You see, remember Paul's story. Remember that Paul was a Pharisee that he was a persecutor of Christians. And it wasn't as if he suddenly thought to himself one day, do you know something? I'm going to try and be a better person. And I won't persecute Christians anymore. And instead I'll live a good life. Is that what Paul did? Of course it's not. We know the story, don't we? And that isn't what takes place. You see, Paul, who at this point in the story is known as Saul, is going to Damascus. Why is he going to Damascus? Because he's going to persecute Christians. But it's on the road to Damascus that something happens. Something that fundamentally changes Saul's life forever. What is it? He meets with Jesus. Now note here that Saul was not seeking after Jesus. It's really interesting, isn't it? He wasn't seeking after Jesus. He wasn't trying to explore, you know, about Jesus. He wasn't thinking about becoming a Christian. But God met with Saul. And it changed Saul's life forever. Now, as we know, Saul's conversion is not the end of the story. And so often we make that mistake in the Christian life, don't we? We make the mistake of thinking that that when we put our faith in Jesus, then that's the end of the story, that we've reached the end result. But the reality is that when Jesus meets with us and we put our faith in him, that something amazing takes place. 
Paul describes it here in 2 Corinthians 5.17. That if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. In other words, there is a, a fundamental change in us. And it isn't that we are an improved version of, of what we were before. That's what we try and do in our physical life, isn't it? We try and improve. So we've got a six-pack where before we didn't have a six-pack. But still the same stomach, isn't it? This isn't about an improved version of what we were before. It's much more profound. We're made new. We are changed inside out. Other translations have it that we are made a new creature. That's what we're made. Now, what's Paul getting at here? Well, the experience of all Christians, whether converted suddenly like Paul or or more gradually, is that we are made new. Our old selves died with Christ. And now we're made new. We rise up with Christ. We are changed. You see, how strange it would have been If Saul had met Jesus on the Damascus road, put his faith in Jesus, been baptized, and then still went to Damascus to persecute Christians. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? It just couldn't happen. Why? Because there's been a fundamental change. Paul was made new. His attitude has completely changed. And this change was perhaps symbolized by a change in his name. From Saul to Paul. He's a new person. He's a new creation. One commentator says this, Paul the apostle was radically different to Saul the Pharisee. No longer did he view Jesus as an itinerant Galilean rabbi and self-appointed messianic imposter who was the enemy of Judaism. Instead, he saw Jesus for who he really is. God incarnate, the Savior, the Lord of heaven, the true Messiah who alone fulfills all the Old Testament promises and provides forgiveness for sin. Paul's changed. And his change of view wasn't just about Jesus. When Paul's assessment of Jesus changed, so does his assessment of everyone else. Because when he goes to Damascus, what happens? Does he persecute Christians? No. What does he do? He tries to join them. That's astounding, isn't it? When you think about it, there he is, going to persecute them. Actually, I'll join with you. No wonder the Christians there were thinking, hold on a second, who is this guy? What's happened? Takes Barnabas to bring him in and say, look, it's a fundamental change. Paul has a new outlook. You see, attributes and achievements which before Paul would have laid great store in, that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, that he was the line of Benjamin, all these things, oh, great store in them. But now they're unimportant. And Paul knows that the same profound change that took place in his life takes place in all those who put their faith in Jesus, including the Corinthians, and including us. You see, to be a Christian, we need to be made 
new. And we can only be made new by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Because when we do, we are changed. We are are filled with the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus himself describes it in John's Gospel to Nicodemus, we are born again. We're born again, afresh, anew. Now in this new year, in 2023, the first thing to say is if you don't know about this new life, if you don't know about this new birth, if you think that being a Christian is just about being a good person, then you're missing out. You're missing the fundamental point. You see, you cannot rely on yourself to to make yourself a Christian. It's only faith and trust in the Lord Jesus that makes you a Christian. It's only God who can make you new, who can change your heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus today, I implore you, come to the front. Get prayer at the end of the service. And know the fundamental change that Jesus brings. Newness of life. Hope. Reconciliation with God. Some people have said that that when they've been converted, when they come to Jesus, it's as though, you know, their glasses are changed, if you wear glasses. Whereas before everything was blurry and it looked okay, suddenly everything's sharp, it's in focus, it's HD. Paul implores the Corinthians to be reconciled to God. And that's the message for us too. To be reconciled to God. And know the newness of life that he brings. Now for a lot of us here today, we do know what it is to be a Christian. We have put our faith and trust in Jesus. We know that it's not good works that save us, but it's faith in Jesus Christ. But sometimes, though we assent in our head that Jesus died for our sin, sometimes we don't let it touch our heart, do we? Sometimes we don't understand or, or we forget that confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord is not the end of our faith journey, but it's just the beginning. You are a new creation. And you're called to live in a new way. Now I hope in verses 18 through to 20 that you noticed that there was a word that was repeated in our passage today. Did you notice that? If you haven't noticed, you need to look it up. Because it's the word reconciled. Reconciled or reconcile. Now what does reconcile mean? Well, we know what it means, don't we? We know that it's a change from enmity to friendship. We are reconciled to God through Christ. And what does Paul say here? We are given a ministry of reconciliation. And we as God's ambassadors are to share a message of reconciliation. You see, when we are made new, and experience newness of life, then we are called to share this message with others that they too may be reconciled 
to God. See, when we've known that reconciliation ourselves, then we are to share that with others. That's your purpose in life. Sometimes people live without purpose, don't they? And sometimes when it reaches New Year, they make these resolutions. They think, you know what, why am I, what's my life about? But as Christians, we ought to know what our life is about. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. And then what else are we to do? We are to share the good news of the gospel with others. And if you think about it, this is what happened with Paul, isn't it? He came to Christ, and then what did he do? Well, he spent the rest of his, his life, as much as we could see, telling other people about Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. Now, as we come to this new year, and as we think about being a new creation and, and sharing this unbelievably amazing message with others, I hope you realize that this message is not a new message. It's an old message, isn't it? You see, what's the most important thing for us? The most important thing for us is to know Jesus. And after we know Jesus and are made new, what are we called to do? We're called to make Jesus known. That's been our aim as a church for many years, hasn't it? It goes round in the PowerPoint every single week. That is our mission statement. To know Jesus and to make Jesus known. This new year, first of all, do we know Jesus? Do we know that newness of life? Are we growing in our relationship with him? And secondly, are we making Jesus known? Because we have a ministry of reconciliation. That's what God has called us to do. In 2023, as we know the new life that is in Jesus, as we know the joy of knowing him, let's live in that knowledge. Let's know that we are, we are forever changed, that our identity is no longer bound up in our achievements and in what we do. Our identity is bound up in Christ. See, that's the wonderful thing about being a Christian, isn't it? You see, people are often so defined by, you know, oh, you're a teacher, oh, you're a doctor, oh, you're whatever you are. But what's our fundamental identity? I'm a Christian. I'm a son and daughter of God. Is that not a wonderful thing? It takes away so much pressure, doesn't it? That's what my identity is. And I'm called to live out for God. Let's live in the knowledge of the newness of life and let's share that news and let's make Jesus known. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the change that happened in Paul's life. A fundamental change, a change he was not necessarily seeking, but Lord God, you came in. You spoke to him. You revealed yourself to him. And Father, I pray for anyone here this morning who does not know you. Anyone here this morning who's relying on their own good works for their salvation. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would come in. 
through your Holy Spirit. That they might know you. That they might put their faith and trust in you. And that they might know that they are a new creation. And they might live in the fullness of the newness of life. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is such joy when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Because all the things that were important before suddenly fade away in the light of your glory and your grace. And Father, if we're here this morning, and we do believe and trust in Jesus, and yet in some ways we've kind of lost our way. We know that in our head, but we're living, living out our lives as, as though it's the good works that really count. Lord God, help us to recognize that it's knowing you, Lord Jesus, that really matters. That it's growing in our relationship with you, because when we grow in our relationship with you, then everything else falls into place. And we thank you that as you have reconciled us in the Lord Jesus Christ to you, that you have given us a ministry of reconciliation, that you call us to make Jesus known. Heavenly Father, help us to be ambassadors for you in the place where you have sent us. Help us to be good witnesses for you in word and in action and indeed. So, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word this day, we pray, and that we might rejoice in the newness of life that you have given to us. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. <laughs>